Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. It went way past seven. Like, you had to consider darkness. It was at almost eight o'clock. You were, you were then rooting for darkness, which is so hard yes. to consider. Yes. Connecticut, of four or five days after the summer solstice, where it's staying light till nine o'clock. Well, but Connecticut is a further east. east. It's further east, so the sun is going to set a little bit earlier. For the first time in years, felt like he had run out of things to say. Nance <laughs> was talking and talking and talking, and Nance got to the end of the internet. <laughs> yeah, he did. This is General George Washington, and you're listening. To the Tony Kornheiser show. Very exciting time for us on the podcast today because Gary Braun is here. We haven't seen Gary in a year and a half. Gary looks good. Gary lost weight. Gary, you look good. Thank you. I feel yeah. good. Yeah, you look good. Wanted to be fit when this thing came for me. Gary has so. offered to talk about his life. We told him no. We just have said stuff. I was willing to. I know. You, I know you can. Now, how handle about this? this I'm having strong memories of when Gary and Kim babysat for me. Probably. Yeah. 10 years ago? 99? Yeah, it was way more than 10 years ago. It was 20-something years ago. And Gary would let me stay up late to play N64. My last conversation with Tony was a Friday, I want to say a Friday evening post-8P call, and I just straight got on the couch for him. Yes. um, For some full-on psychoanalysis. Uh, Tony, surprisingly good listener, for those of you who think sometimes maybe he's not a tremendous listener. Well, I just put the phone down and went to another room. Well, whatever whatever it took. I felt like you were yeah. there for me. So yeah. I, I, I was simply saying, you know, I can sanitize what we discussed. I didn't want you to feel, I mean, ev- everything is fair game here. I wasn't suggesting you need the programming. Certainly you don't, especially in lieu no, of yesterday's this, event. We had a big event yesterday. Yeah. So we're excited to hear about that. But thank you for having me here. I'm very excited to be here and to be here before Saliza, which is oh, noted. And after real, Jean, which is where I belong. That was a big deal. You know, we yeah. slot. We we make sure that everybody's in the correct Indeed. order. Indeed. So <laughs> yesterday, Michael and I, um, Michael and I got to do something that was offered to us about a month and a half ago by my friend Matt Williams, who used to be Matt Williams was the head of public relations for the Wizards and the Capitals. And then he went on to the Washington Animal Rescue League, where we got Chessie from Matt Williams. And now he's working with John Maroon, who for many years did uh, PR for the Orioles and for the Ravens. I mean, John Maroon, very established guy in Baltimore. Nice guy, John Maroon. So they were putting together a media day for the BMW Golf Tournament. So Michael can explain this better. Talk about, Michael, what the BMW is in relation to the FedEx Cup and where it goes year to year. Well, so, so it's a rotating tournament right now. Most recently, we saw it at Olympia Fields Wilbon's last year. Club. You might remember it was at Aronimink um, two or three years back. And this is the penultimate event. So this is leading up to your tour championship down in Atlanta. In Atlanta. And it's going to be you – know, these events have a shrinking – a field in terms of the size and how many players. So you're going to have 70 players here who are trying to get into the final 30 spots where it's going to be that winner-take-all in terms of... $10 million. Of no, it's a no-cut event, right? No-cut event. Field. And in terms of what that means for your field, you're going to have, you're you going have, to have everyone who wants to play in it because you have a chance to get into that final payout. It's a real big deal tournament year after year after year. So there's a media day thing, and at which you know there's not a media day thing possible in a golf circumstance in the Washington area that Chick Hernandez isn't playing. So I knew Chick would be there, of course. And, and Chick was there. And a bunch of Baltimore people were there. And, and so one of the things... Yeah, the golf DMV team there? Yeah, they were there. They yeah. were there. Uh, Claude was there. Yeah. Um, so one of the LB things that, that was important to me, because I understand the rhythm of a media day, it is to get publicity for the event. 
It's to bring media people in who will then respond by talking about the event. But there's also a lot of cameras there. You know, they bring in a pro. In this case, they brought him in by Zoom. It was Jordan Spieth. But, you know, Dennis Satishir, who has basically built Caves Valley into a great track. It's, it's a lovely, lovely place. And it's, an enorm- it's not just the golf. It's the full experience. You're either going to have lunch or dinner or both at Caves Valley, and you're going to walk away, right, Michael? You walk away from Caves Valley thinking, that was a great day, it's, even it's if the full, golf stinks. It's a full-day experience, and it starts with something as simple as how you're greeted in the locker yeah. room. Yeah, I, I mean, just they, they know what they're doing. Dennis is retiring after this year, moving up to pro emeritus, and he's been the only head pro and director of golf at Caves Valley ever. Is that right? Yeah, it's just it's started 30, 35 years ago, whenever it was, and Dennis had the job. So it's a lovely place, and everybody wants to go. Now, I understand that there's going to be pictures there and cameras there. So I know, because of my position at PTI, that I'm probably going to be photographed. So I say to myself, before we go, you know, our connection with Johnny O is such over the years that I'm going to wear a Johnny O shirt. Yeah, Bootsy 4. Yeah, because because if I'm going to get photographed, I want John to know that, if he ever sees it, that I was wearing the clothes. Right. I'm wearing the clothes. So I get there, and we meet the people that we're going to play with, and I'll get to that in a second, but I'll just discuss the the first man who is, he's a whirlwind. Steve Fader, the president of Caves now and in charge of all the coordination for the BMW, he owns 84 different car dealerships, mostly under the name of Mile One. Are yeah, you familiar? Sure. Right. Yeah. He And he is in the right business. He is charming. He is aggressive. He is competitive. He's hail fellow well met. He's the guy. If you're walking into a place and you're a little bit nervous, he's the guy you want walking in ahead of you. He, right, Michael? Yeah, and for he's worth like this, the price of is, admission. He's trying to predict problems that are not yet there, and right. how can we solve this before it is that problem? Right. We don't, want, we don't want our course trampled. Where do we lead the people out? How does it work? And he's all of these things. A thousand things are racing in his head. So we, we'd met each other once before, I think, and he's a friend of the socialites, friend of Alan's. So he looks at me and he goes, well, and Michael, you can't wear that can't wear that and he sends dennis satish here after us so that we get they dennis says just pick out shirts that say caves valley on the side and say bmw you know right so so i end up with a green yeah, and michael ends up with a blue duke and blue. Let, the, let the record show tony is wearing johnny o today today this well, is the i'm this wearing this shirt, shirt i wore there but i never got to wear it all right i never got to wear it and it was by the way just ten on the thousand degrees ten oh, yeah, thousand was a hot one and it was too hot for tony and tony shot about 130 Although on the back, at one point on a five-hole stretch, I had three pars and two boats. Can you cart there for an event like this? Because typically yes. I know you have to walk that course, and, it's, yes. and you're going up and down. I mean, there's- Yes, but the problem with the carts, as Steve correctly pointed out, correctly pointed out was where you have to park the cart to stay in the rough, the walk is, is, is more up and down than the course itself. So I ended up walking. And Michael feared you feared for my health. Oh, look at this. Yeah, I, I've look had issues I with. I got Chessie in my lap. Look yeah. at my face. Yeah. Okay. I've had They're issues with nice. people in my family who needed to walk off the course before at Cape. Right. So, but I was fine. You I was were, just tired. You were fine. I was just tired. But yeah, the final the final stretch is you're walking up that that last hole, which is for normal day to day play the ninth, but plays as the 18th for the championship is straight uphill. Yeah. To the point you're taking carts for you know some of the green to tea walks so we so i should mention that the fourth member of our group is if you if you know golf 
This is one of the magical names. Like I talk about Marty West all the time, being the greatest player ever in Washington, D.C., greatest amateur ever. Well, there are two other names out there of, I think, Michael, you would say, two of the greatest long-term amateurs of all time, men in their 60s or 70s now. One is Vinnie Giles, who you can find every day at Kinlock, and one is Buddy Marucci. Buddy Marucci from Marion, Buddy Marucci from Seminole, Buddy Marucci, and why don't you say the, the, the claim to fame be beyond, beyond the Walker Cup, how younger people might know him. Well, if you're familiar with a certain golfer named Tiger Woods, this amateur uh, took him to the 36th hole in the USAM finals in 1995. I believe it was up in Newport, Rhode Island. Yeah. So, yeah. So had Tiger not won that, maybe the arc of Tiger's career is different. But what Tiger's able to say is, I won three juniors and I won three ams. In a row. Nobody ever beat me. I'm 6-0. and I'm like Michael Jordan in the finals. Nobody ever beat me. Buddy Marucci came. The closest. So this is a name that Michael knows, and now, Michael, you find out we're playing with him and your response. Well, I immediately go to the driving range, because I realize <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the sort of day has taken a, a different turn. Originally, we were planning to play with the socialite, and, and he was not going to make it up for that day. And you don't know what type of feel this is going to be. Is it going to be sort of hit and giggle in a card? Is it going to be, you know, a match within the four ball? And I'm sure it was different for every, you know, group out there for media day, because this is a, you know, once in a year, once in a decade type of yeah. experience. And for me personally, I went to Penn. He is a Philly legend. And for us, every time that we have taken a big father-son trip, every time my, my Penn golf team was hosted for a special day, you'd sort of look out the corner of your eye and you'd see Mr. Marucci having lunch <laughs> at, at one club. of these clubs. Or, you know, yeah, we'd honey. finish Seminole in the Twilight and you see him at the far corner of the range with, you know, his disciples as he's working on, on controlling a shot into the wind. So were you nervous? Yes, I was nervous, but he was so pleasant to play with. And just, and you played well. And he was just so, yes, I, I played totally fine considering I played from a, a very short course, but he was very supportive of all of our games and was just happy to be in the rhythm of a four ball, which is a reminder about golf. You can play cross ability as long as you're playing from appropriate tees for you and you're moving. He bangs it for a guy his age. Yeah, he hits it so he... long. He hits it really long. I mean, well, he, what do you mean a guy his age? I mean, he was he's Tiger's ish age. No, he was he's in he his was, late sixties. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, no, no, oh all no, right. No, no, he's in his all late sixties, right. okay. and he just crushes so it. No, to, he's not Tiger's age okay. at all. We yeah, get to what is normally considered the second hole for us. It's the eleventh. It is a short par four risk reward. A little bit of a capo as you go around a bend, and it's drivable. And I've sort of charted my decline as uh, when I was a younger man. I didn't even look at the yardage, bomb it straight onto the green, and then there's one time. Maybe I was playing a different tee. I'm playing with Alan. I think I roast a drive, and it comes up like 15 yards short, and Alan goes, what are you doing? So I, I, I have these conflicting feelings, and I'm ready to just lay up with a three-iron down the left center, and, he, and Mr. Marucci just looks at me and goes, oh, hit, what are you doing? Hit driver. <laughs> yeah. He was very... And? Yeah, he got, got up and down from the bunker for birdie. Very nice. Uh, he yeah. was very supportive. He, and it was, I was thrilled. And I was so terrible. I mean, I had a tired swing, and I'm a bad player anyway, and these guys really hit it a long way. Anyway, so, so we played around. Did he around. appear to have fun? Like, I, I wonder what I don't it's know. like I hope for so. someone that good. Well, I think he had fun. I think because Michael and he you basically played even the whole way, and so, so he's there. Yes, yeah, no? Or yeah. were you a little bit better? It doesn't matter. You're right. Just, yeah. But, I mean, he, he's, he's playing with somebody who he knows is a good player, and that always makes players feel good. You know, they're not... They're not like kneeling down and waiting for you. So, had you guys ever met? I'd never met him. Okay, but you, I knew you were who aware was. of him. But, oh my! And what God. about Steve? I'd I'd met Steve no, before. Did Steve and Buddy? Oh no, they're pals. Okay. Oh All no, they're right. pals. They're they're pals, long term pals. Okay. So cool. then, and I, so then, 
Um, it gets time to leave, uh, and and I'm terribly worried about the traffic because <laughs> it's it's like four thirty. And I've got to go from Baltimore to Washington. You've got to go 695. You're taking 95. Yeah. 695 those, to yeah, 95. Those are bad names. And then my caddy, Will Shriver, whose dad used to run the Daily Grill downtown yeah. in Washington. Uh, right, and sent us food, you know, to, yeah. the, to the show. Um, so Will is, Will's a good player himself, a very good player. Will's Michael's age. They have similar contacts and they know everybody you must have played against each other you were trying to you know to, to pinpoint exactly where we had played throughout junior golf like long island jewish geography yeah, yeah. you guys are doing that whole thing yeah. so we so by the way we we fly through the course we play in three and a half hours wow and steve, on a media day well yeah because steve smartly said i'm not playing in five one, hours one a we were one a and he made sure nobody was even six holes in front of us <laughs> and great. we flew we're That's done great. in three and a half by the time we leave, everybody's still out on the course. Oh, my God. That's okay, great. they're still out, and they're going to come back, and they're going to have dinner. You know, we're, and we're out. And Will says to me, have you, I, I've got an alternative route. Ask Michael to chopper. pick it up on Take his phone. Take the chopper. No, okay. he goes 695 to 70 to 29. Oof. Well, I didn't know these roads at all. 70 and 29 is my neck of the woods. 70, you're going up to Frederick. Yeah. You know, that's, that's and, west from and it was, how great was it? It was great. We were home in an hour. We, we felt so lost as we were just relying on the photo that, of course, Dad sees the traffic that on 70 West, we, we were turning off of, but he goes, where are they going? It was, it was <laughs> you know, light to light, bumper to bumper. Then you get on, you finally get on 29 and Dad just goes, no, they can't do this. There's traffic lights. And he keeps on trying to but cut it, back over, but it was, trying to cut over to 95. And the only bad moment was when Michael said, I'm really, I really don't like when you drive. I, I don't think you're <laughs> good and i said i thought i was really good driving well, you, up and you driving are a back. very conservative I am, driver I with regards to speed but you stay in the middle to the right lane and then you drive far too close to people when you're when you're coming into like a, a, a you know a too traffic close slowdown. side to side you mean no no like oh, front, he, oh yeah. he's late breaking late breaking and then he blames them i'll tell you what why, why don't you news, come on, what I why you come on out to the braun household where where spike and ike are currently on their learner's permits and, and do a couple rounds <laughs> with them i think you'll completely <laughs> recalibrate how good of a driver your father is so we had this one other incredible treat and this was a treat for me uh at one point in the locker room area uh cal ripkin is sitting down and cal ripkin says hi tony well that was a wow for me i mean yeah. i stood at his locker a number of times in my life sure. but i didn't know there'd be any recognition and cal ripkin is you, you are on tv every day i understand okay. well, but i never really think <laughs> I, of that. i know yeah, yeah i never really think of that and we begin David to chat. Aldridge moment for Cal Ripken. Well, yeah. I know that guy. We begin to chat, and we talk about, he was concerned about Naomi Osaka, because he was a guy who did the yeah. press stuff every single day. And we chatted about that a little bit here and there. And at the end of the day, I saw him again at the bar, and he wanted to talk more, because something I had said to him about Naomi Osaka stirred something in him, and he wanted to talk about that. And we began to talk about a bunch of things, including Albert Bell and what actually what a great teammate Albert Bell was, even though the press, he was terrible with the press, but what a great teammate he was. And I probably chatted with him for 15 or 20 minutes. Cool. And at the back of my head is, of course, I'm talking to Cal Ripken. Yeah. Cal Ripken Jr., he, he represents baseball and he represents baltimore there can't be a greater happenstance than to run into cal ripkin jr and have him want to chat 
So that was, and by the way, and I said this to Michael, and I said it to Mike Litwin the night, I called Litwin at night because Litwin covered him when he worked mm -hmm. at the Sun. I said, did you think, I said, I thought Cal was really smart because this plays into my theory that that when you are a young man and you're an athlete, you develop only the physical side of everything. And then later, the emotional and mental side comes through. And Mike said, well, I thought he was sort of smart, but not, and I, I gave him, I told him exactly what we talked about. And Mike was very gratified to learn that Cal Ripken was, had, had become this oh, you're not thoughtful- in, you're not incapable of reflection you just it's no just he not said he, really he said he wasn't really introspective at that time because yeah. mike always wanted him to talk about the streak and he didn't want to talk about the streak yeah, well, and i said mike it wasn't that he wasn't introspective is that he didn't want to right. go in superstition go down the manhole that you wanted him to go to. so i i for me and i don't we haven't talked about this cal ripkin is just a name to you no, but, it's it's more than a name and for me i so i got to introduce myself and, and chat briefly with him beforehand and and as I watched you with him, I'm sitting back and I'm a kid again going, my dad's talking to Cal Ripken. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, for yeah. me, yeah. a man of, of 50 or 51 now, that dude was it for me. First of all, there was and no Cal's baseball. Cal's a little bit older. Cal's probably yeah. around 60. Yeah, if I had to guess. Yeah. I, can, yeah. I can Google it. But no baseball in D.C., obviously, for me growing up. So the Orioles were my team, and that guy was just older enough that he and he was Mr. Baseball essentially well, was, for, when I was growing up, and that was the guy you completely idolized and wanted to be. I mean, I would be a 16 year old boy around that. Well, guy. you you yeah. never consider that this is going to happen. That you're going to be sitting around and chatting with someone, and in really enjoying the conversation, really enjoying it, and thinking, "Wow, what am I doing?" So here? I I do not ever imagine that's going to happen. But it's it's surprising to me to hear you say that because. Yeah. It's something that happens for you. It happens but, all the but time. You, but but you I never, never <laughs> yeah, you never expect it or think I, it's going to happen. I've told Michael this. The, the last two times I was down at Emerald Dunes, speaking of baseball and Baltimore baseball, who would I run into the, in the lobby and have a 20-minute chat with Jim Palmer? And Jim Palmer is brilliant. There's not, you know, there are categories when you're a sports writer. They're smart for an athlete, and they're smart. Jim Palmer quotes Dostoevsky to you. Jim Palmer's really smart. Is that like Dusty Baker? Sort of like uh, Dusty Cal, Baker. Cal, by the way, will man. be 21 at the end of August. So you, you nailed that. He's 60 exactly will. 60. I'm sorry, oh, 60. Yeah, six, yeah that's, so, he will that's be what 61. I thought. So, um, yeah. So, that's uh, very cool. Had a what, a, what a great day. Had a lovely yeah. day. Had a lovely day. You guys day. got to do it together. And by the cool. way, if, you're, if you get a chance to go to the BMW, go. End of August. Look at Caves. It, it's great. And, and when I say if you get a chance, the BMW dealers around here, they've all got tickets. Yeah. They want you to go. You know, they want... Go buy a car. Yeah. Get tickets. Make them throw it in. I, I wore my own BMW hat. So I saw the hat. Is that yours or That's was that... my hat. Okay, I didn't know if that was... When I got the BMW, I got a hat. No, Mike Walker, who I got the BMW from, Jackie Walker's brother, um, Mike is BMW of Fairfax. Right. And not only did he... He gave me two hats, and then I... I really pressed him... Two boots he's named after, right? To, Mike Walker? Yeah. To get... Um, Family name. To get golf balls with BMW logos. I think he's a little behind. He's only given me a couple of sleeves. I could use a couple he can more. catch up. Yeah, he can. It's the opportunity <laughs> is there. All right. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, Bill Simmons, he's going to join us. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the solo stove ad. We did this yesterday for about five minutes. Gary, do you have one of these? I do not. You no, don't. I, okay. I uh, mooch off my friends who right. have them. Yes. But, I mean, they're, they're phenomenal, fantastic. So, I mean, my experience is that everybody who I've talked to who has one of these, who uses one of these, loves it. 
Yeah, they're, they, they love are, it. Uh, I don't want to overstate it, but they are a, an engineering marvel. I mean, it's a completely smokeless, raging fire. How can that you don't, be? You don't smell. You know, I, I, it's, I'm not smart enough to understand. Can you roast marshmallows on of it? Course. Of course. Yeah, yeah quickly. Isn't that... You could probably cook a pizza on it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's the, the experience. For me, the, the campfire experience always has marshmallows it's always you know right. in, in the woods but now you can have it in your backyard yes without reeking of smoke a lot of times i'm walking the dog and and you sort of peer into somebody's backyard because you hear some noise and it's six or eight people and they are sitting around a fire which i assume is solo stuff yeah yeah well if they're smart it is right yeah, those things are legit and saliza went out and bought one of these so yeah. i mean he has one for every room of the house i think it's very very good <laughs> And Gary is saying one of the things in the copy is if you have any anecdotes about smoky fumes ruining a good time, talk about how Solo Stove compares. So I, I, uh, I mean, I wouldn't, I don't elevate to, I don't, uh, I should say I am not a camper in the traditional sense. But yeah, I, but you go but out. I, I, yeah, I go, I go camping. I'll go out in the woods with the kids for a couple of nights and. And a campfire is awesome. Who doesn't love a campfire? Everyone is, as a kid, if they've ever experienced one, has great memories of it. Except. As you get older, you notice that that it just it reeks. You know the wood smells, your clothes smell, your hair smells. Yeah, not in my case, but um, yeah, that's one of the cool things about these things is, is there's no there's just no smoke. Solo stove creates story worthy moments without the fireside fumes. Stainless steel construction designed to regulate airflow and burn more efficiently. So little smoke, you'll wonder how there's so much fire. It's easy to keep lit. It's even easier to clean. It's easy to light with a few bits of starter. Your fire is blazing in minutes. They're so confident that you'll love it that they offer a lifetime warranty, lifetime warranty, and a 30-day free return policy. No one needs a reason to gather around the fire, as Gary was explaining. Solo Stove just took away any reason not to. And now you can get $10 off when you use the promo code TonyK at checkout. Just go to solostove, S-O-L-O, stove.com. And remember, you get $10 off when you use the promo code TonyK. So use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. All right, so let me explain the problems that we had. A lot of times we do the show out of order in order to accommodate guests who have to be on at a certain time. Uh, Bill Simmons, my dear friend, is in the East Coast and wrote me last week and said, I'd love to be on the show. And I said, great, I'd love to do that too because I don't, I don't put him on because it's 4.30 in the morning in Los Angeles and there's no point in doing that. So we worked it out. We went back and forth. We worked it out that we would go to him at 8.30 this morning, this morning, Tuesday morning. We would do uh, the open to the show, and then we would do the news to the show, which is normally the third segment. And then we would do the close with the email and the jingle, normally the fourth segment. And then at 8.30, we would clear all the decks, and we would have Bill Simmons. And I would go back and forth with him about a variety of topics because he said, I'll roll with anything. And I said, no, 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 no. I want to have topics. I want to know what we're going to talk about. So he gave me a variety of topics, including the worst NBA champion ever, which he thought might be the 1978 <laughs> Bullets. Well, that hurts. Um, sports <laughs> going back to normal. And one of the things we were going to talk about is baseball. He had this tremendous analogy that baseball was an aging actress that was trying a little bit too much plastic surgery here and there in order to remain relevant and beautiful to the fans. And we began to talk about that because I really liked the concept of it. And we probably did five or six minutes and, and Bill was saying, look, I, I loved baseball as a kid. That's 
I watched games with my father. I mean, everybody knows about Simmons that he grew up in Boston. He he was a historian of the game while he was watching what was contemporary to him. And he was talking about the fact that kids today don't do that. And we were involved in a discussion about what kids like and what they watch and the appeal of certain sports over other sports. And we just kept cutting out. It's, I mean, we, we, would, we would lose all volume. We would lose all connection. We would lose it for five, six, eight, 10, 20 minutes at a time. We tried it three different times and it never worked. It was never sustained. We could not have the conversation, which is probably, you know, Spotify saying, I don't want Bill Simmons on your air for free <laughs> when I'm paying him all this money, you know, so I'm going to damage your internet. But this is, this is the thing that happened a, a week ago with Comcast, as far as I'm concerned. And I know that I should be calling Greg in Why I'm Missing um, Pennsylvania, but it just it went out. Maybe they're in the neighborhood. Maybe they deliberately cut it out. They don't tell anybody that they're con- going to cut it out. And, yeah. and whatever business you're doing at that time, that is... Well, and as fate would have it, Tony... Broke up right there, and Comcast failed us. And uh, the connection, this is about 10 minutes after Tony just said that, and um, we've been desperately trying to uh, resurrect the connection. But unfortunately, um, we were just unable to do it. The uh, the technical gods um, were against us today. Um, whatever work Comcast was doing to sabotage the show, it worked on their part. Um, but I just want to apologize to everyone listening that we weren't able to, uh, to pull this together today. Um, I especially want to apologize to Bill Simmons, who we're so excited to talk to. Um, you know, it's it's very rare that we can get him on as a West Coast guy. Um, we will work to try and get him on another time when it works for his schedule, um, because it's always fun listening to Tony and Bill uh, chat about everything under the sun. Uh, and I'm just sorry that we couldn't uh, couldn't make it work. So I'm sorry to Bill. I'm sorry to everyone listening. Um, but I'm not sorry, <laughs> Comcast. I'm not apologizing to you because I don't know what you were doing today, but stop mucking about with the line. We just want to do the show. So um, the good news is we have, to, as Tony probably explained, we've taped the rest of the show. So I'm going to shut up right now. And uh, when we come back, we will have news with myself, with Tony, with Michael and Gary. We'll have the mailbag, but we're sorry we could not get this Bill Simmons segment to you. Um, but there you have it. That's just how it is. Um, but thank you for bearing with us today. We will work on fixing this. We're going to be off for the rest of the week. Um, and then we will hopefully have all of this solved by the time we're on uh, on Monday, which, um, yeah, Monday. We will be back on Monday. So hopefully we'll have it all sorted out then. But there you go. That's it. I'm Nigel. You're listening, You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Oh, how about this approach? They, uh, they want the host to ad-lib. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is the Sunday where you talk about your favorite summer backyard activities and how bugs can ruin them. For us, we are now full in the season of setting up the water table with the boys. They have some whales and dolphins, little construction trucks, and they're now old enough at four and two where they sort of just play in a corner by themselves. And then last night, we're fully on board with Michael goes out, lights up the grill, cooks a few steaks for a nice light salad dinner, and Ooh. how do bugs ruin it? It's just you can't have the boys out there if mosquitoes are attacking them because the boys recognize them. The, the mosquito bites you swell mean mosquito up. mosquito gone. 
You need that. Mosquito Gone? That's a good name. How about this name? Mosquito Delito. Right, that's a better name. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. that's why they have Mosquito Delito. Uh, there's nothing like a summer barbecue. You got your friends, flip-flops, the grill fired up. That's a beautiful image. Then, boom, the sun goes down and bugs come up. Don't worry, Sunday has you covered. And th- these are the same people that help me... Uh, make my lawn, that is, they remind me every time I go through the online portal, is of roughly the one quarter the size of a regulation tennis court. Uh, this is uh, the, the, the service that has made it green, because I'm still, normally this is when I have the bad grass takeover, I'm still going green. That's great. Uh, they use better ingredients, you can get back to living your best backyard life without worries this summer. And again, you worry about those uh, ingredients that go into Mosquito Delito, and the new, I believe it's called uh, Nick's Ticks. Nick's Ticks. Nick's Ticks. Not not tickets to go see your Nick's, <laughs> right. but Nick's Ticks. Uh, talk about what you like most about uh, Sunday for us. I really think it's the natural ingredients now that the boys are outside. It's super easy to use, and the best part about this is you just type in your address at getsunday.com slash Tony, and they'll figure out what pests are active in your area. Ants, mosquitoes, ticks, cockroaches, they can handle it all both inside and outside room. We don't have the problem inside the house just yet because we've taken care of the perimeter. Sunday sends you exactly what you need right to your door with step-by-step instructions, so you can't mess it up. uh, Pest control used to involve expensive services in guys in hazmat suits, and I see that in our neighborhood, and it's scary because you don't know exactly what they're spraying. Now I can do it all myself without the scary synthetic pesticides. Sunday's made with better-for-the-planet ingredients like cedar oil, chrysanthemum extract, Canola oil. Fantastic. So you can manage pests better and feel better about it. Before you pick up the phone and call your some service, try Sunday and get the same effectiveness at half the cost. Let Sunday take the guesswork out of controlling pests in your home and yard this summer. Visit GetSunday.com slash Tony to get $10 off your smart pest plan at checkout. That's $10 off your custom plan at GetSunday.com slash Tony. Nice job. Thanks. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is a band that we knew when we started this show, Wolf Spider. Yeah. <laughs> this is called Goodbye Summer. Wolf Spider is, and those guys are, they're not my age, but they're not kids anymore. It's fantastic is, to Tony? think. It's fantastic to think that they are still playing. You know, this is like, this puts the heavy in heavy metal, Wolf Spider. We always loved Wolf Spider. Michael, if people like Wolf Spider want to send us their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyKornheiserShow.com. All right, so this is, this is how we gradually wade into the deeper water of the show, and we endeavor to get everybody back. Um, we do it by news. That gives us the reason to bring Gary and Chris and... David and Jeannie and Tori back to do some news, and then we'll get back into a studio at some point, I think, because everybody seems to want to do that. So, Nigel, you run the news. Thank you, Mr. Tony. We will start off with the heat. Is it hot enough for you? How about this? On Monday, Portland reached, Portland is Portland, Oregon, reached 116 degrees, the oh. highest temperature in more than 80 years. It was the third day in a row the city set a new all-time high. Before the weekend, it had been a 107. That had been their high. Saturday, it was 108. Sunday, 112. Yesterday, 116. Seattle hit 108 degrees Monday evening, surpassing the all-time record of 104 degrees, which was, of course, set the day before. That was 34. So I've got, I got a note from Dave Sims, who okay. does the baseball, the Seattle Mariners, Mariners baseball, yeah. 
And he basically said, we're dying here. We're Schwitzen like Airedales. It's just so unbelievably hot. Is there, but Wilbon said yesterday that Southern California wasn't, LA wasn't that particularly hot. Is there a sense of how far south this goes or how far north or how far east it goes? It really seems to be in the Pacific Northwest, extending up into Canada. And in fact, uh, in Canada, the, and I, I probably mispronounced this team, it's, it's either the name of this town, either Lytton or Lytton, L-Y-T-T-O-N in British Columbia, had 118.2 degrees wow. just wow. the day after it had 116. And just to give you a little perspective, the all-time high in Las Vegas is 117. So, it's so when I was a kid, Vegas. the dog is on the table. Yeah. Yep. The dog, dog is too. on There's Uncle Benny's paw. table. Oh. On hind legs. Oh, I think she's found a letter. <laughs> We're not. Dog's on the table. Uh, so when I was a kid, staying up late watching Bob Ryan on the 11 o'clock news, I remember mm -hmm. he would occasionally point to places like Palm Desert yeah, at Southern 115, yeah. and you would think, Death, Death oh, Valley, my yeah. God. Well, Wilbon's in Phoenix. It's over 110 in Phoenix. Now, have we heard from anyone in the Willamette Valley? The, the, no, no, is that going to burn the grapes? I don't know if that'd be good What for, does that do to the grapes? Is if, it a dry heat? If Dave Spector can tell us, or if Duska Jensen can tell us, what is this doing I will say, in Willamette, damn it? 16 in Portland. Sounds, wow. That sounds nuts. And, and you said, Nigel, the previous high was 107, so that isn't like... Shattered. I mean, that's 90 home runs in a season. Yeah, it's just really. Yeah. God. That is. That's, and again, that's the climate to give you perspective, changing. the high of 108 in Seattle yesterday, 34 degrees above the normal high of 74 and higher than the all-time heat record in Washington, D.C. You, do, you don't know. think of Seattle. I mean, it's, it's no, on it the Pacific Ocean. It's all the way up there. You don't think of it as hot. It you isn't there hot. to get away from the heat. And, yeah. and. and I say this, the three of us sitting around the table, we're in a place where it's going to be 95 and I think 98 tomorrow and feel like 105, but, and that's very hot. I can't even imagine what 108 or 116 feels like. No, it's just I mean, crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. That's nuts. All right, and go ahead. as you said, yeah, there's, there's heat on the East Coast as well. To give you an idea of how hot it was in New York yesterday, Dylan Bundy of the Angels uh, pitching in the second inning threw up on the mound as a result of heat exhaustion, had to leave the game. The Angels ended up winning that uh, match 5-3. to three. But, yeah, so it's hot. I think Michael was afraid that I was going to get sick, but I wasn't. I was drinking a lot of water. Very hydrated. Yeah. And uh, Gatorade. And Bundy may have had 100 yeah. beers the previous yeah, night. Who right. knows? Yeah. <laughs> Could have been hanging out with David Wells. But Otani hit know. one out. Yeah. Yes. Otani and Schwarber hitting them out like crazy. Well, like Kyle crazy. Schwarber. Yeah, that, that's the next story. Schwarber, uh, Schwarber on a list you don't want to be on. <laughs> the, Nats, the Nats are back at 500. They are now called the surging Washington Nationals. They beat the New York Mets 8-4. to four. Kyle Schwarber... Two home runs, has 24 now, and I don't know how significant the stat is because it feels sort of made up, probably because it is, but they say he's the first player in Major League history to hit 15 home runs in a 17-day span. Even if that's made up, it's still unbelievably impressive. So the other two people who have had streaks like this are Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa, who were steroid eaters. 15 homers in 17 games, games. which Schwarber has done, but his 17 games happen to have been in 17 days to Nigel's. So I'm watching this game last night, going back and forth with Chuck Todd, uh, and it's pretty comfortable. It's 4 nothing or 5 nothing, whatever it is. And then I, I drift into the basketball game, and then I go back to the baseball, Wanda and Suero. suddenly it's 5-4. Suddenly it's 5-4, and then you begin to sweat, and now you're in the eighth, and they're bringing in Brad Hand in the eighth. 
Now, fortunately, in the bottom of the eighth, Zimmerman hit one out, which allowed everybody to breathe, and Brad Hand's one and two-thirds was good. But did Suero was the one who, who let everything in, right? Because yeah, he it stinks. Never, yes. Uh, it, it felt great to get that Zim home run. He just yeah. seems to have more home runs to dead center. And you look at what that one game, because you're still trying to make up these lost games from that first COVID series, and you look at the, the series they have before the All-Star game. Yes, you have the surging Washington Nationals. You have two against Tampa. I think you have four against the Dodgers, four against Dodgers. the Padres, yeah, big, and then three against San Francisco. Take a look at what the NL West is doing right now. Yeah, so the, I mean, that's the test. I mean, let's see how it is. But that game gave, gave me a fright last night when I tuned back in. Did Suero give up all four runs? No. No, he didn't. Oh, okay. It, that just went, yeah. So, but credit to your manager. This looks like the uh, the Schwarber in the leadoff spot's working out. Yeah. Uh, for now. It makes It makes no sense from a baseball standpoint at all. He's slow. He is not a guy who gets on base. Uh, he's he's the antithesis of the traditional leadoff hitter, and he's so, killing it. So it should, he's killing yeah, it. Yeah, to people who don't watch the Nationals, it should be pointed out that this guy with his 15 homers in the last 17 games who has been ripping the cover off the ball is all the way up to 250 yeah, he's as a batting average. I mean, right. I think he was hitting like 220 when they put him there. Uh, and he which, gets no hits. Right. He hits home runs. Yeah. Right. Or he walks. All he does is hit home runs. He's the Chris yeah. Carter of baseball. That's right. All right, what else? And baby Shark's doing uh, you it mentioned, again. He's you mentioned Rob the, Deere. Baby Shark is a cartoon character, and yes, he hit a home run yeah. the other day. Yes. Had a nice double. Chemistry. Yeah. 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 You mentioned the and you can see you can see it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Did <laughs> he say continue, Nigel? Did he say continue? You can it see did. it when people come into the dugout again, and it is Para who is leading the fun. Yeah, you can see it. Bringing him back, maybe as a ball player, it doesn't matter, but the rest of it does matter. Does matter. Well, we'll see how it plays out. Go ahead, but it appears. Thank so. you, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it always in those exchanges? I feel like I'm going to say, I thought you said you're all right, Spider. Did you need a drink? <laughs> um, to the association, Mr. Tony, you mentioned a moment ago uh, the LA Clippers, led by Playoff yeah. P with 41 yeah. points, stave off an elimination. They beat the Suns 116 102. Yeah, I got a note from Wilbon that I read this morning. Did you see? You see? You <laughs> thought that would be easy. <laughs> Phoenix should win. They should win. They yes. should have won last night. The yeah. other team doesn't have its best player that you should win in the playoffs that way. Yeah. If they don't win, it's really a, a colossal failure. If they were to lose this series after being up 3-1 and having home field, that colossal would, that failure. Would be bad. That would be, yeah. it would be It would be the, the sort of coda no on Chris Paul. Mm. You yes. know, and you would say, why would I trust Chris Paul ever uh, in a playoff situation? Okay, what else? We'll go back to, uh, to my home turf, to Wimbledon, uh, and probably the biggest win for an American tennis player, uh, an American male tennis player, in just about 20 years. Francis Tiafo beats uh, the number three seed, Stefan Sitsipas. Uh, yes, he grew up in Hyattsville. Uh, he's yeah, a he's great local. story. Yeah, um, but beats the number world four seed and the number three seed in the tournament, Sitsipas. in was just in the finals sets. of the French. Yes. He took and two he, sets off Djokovic in the finals yeah, of the French. A great so. player. And as uh, Tiafo said after the match, this guy especially, he's going to do a lot of great things, win a ton of grand slams. Then he broke into a smile and said, but not today. And it really yeah. is a great moment for Tiafo, who is uh, who's a promising young player. It's, he, now, he's done well on grass this year. He did uh, the quarterfinals at Queens and won the uh, Nottingham Challenge, which is also a grass court tournament. So Good. he's... Playing well. And also a nice win for Sloane Stevens, who took out uh, a two-time champ, uh, Kvitova. So it was a nice day overall for you, Yanks. 
Okay. What from, else? For more, check out Nigel's tennis podcast. Yeah. More, more importantly, has oh, yes. either of them ever slighted you at the City Open? I like those stories. <laughs> no, no, they have not. Okay. They have not. Uh, in fact, I've had Yet. conversations with both of them, uh, and they're both very lovely. I've always enjoyed chatting with them. Yes, and you can check out Courtside, the U.S. Open podcast, at your leisure. Um, to the NCAA, Mr. Tony, uh, and they are going to now recognize this thing called NIL, which is not, doesn't mean zero. It's name, name image, image likeness. Yes. Uh, and now we're going to allow uh, college players to profit off these, which could be from a variety of different ways. This is an anticip Well, this is following the Supreme Court ruling the other day that sort of opened things up. And this is a day ahead of when eight states will formally legalize this. So this appears to be the NCAA recognizing the reality of this new world for them and saying, well, we've got to get on board with it. Otherwise, the world will pass us by. The world has passed them by. The NCAA will cease to exist in a short amount of time, um, a little bit longer than Mark Emmert will have the job as the head of the NCAA. He's a failed person. Uh, they went to court and they lost. They got beaten 9 nothing in the Supreme Court. And Brett Kavanaugh, who was the one justice on the court who sort of is closest to athletics because he's a, he's a coach, his, his review was scathing. He basically said, are you people kidding? Are you kidding You've got to let these people make money. You've got to let the kids make money. Now, I don't, me personally, I don't think that colleges have to or should go into the business of directly paying athletes. I don't think they do. Um, not for a while, because I think athletes will be so happy to be able to cash in on their name, their image, and their likeness. Um, but maybe down the road, that that's what's going to happen. But at that point, at that point, then there's no... There's no point in like even offering an education. You're just a right. you're minor leagues. And, you're you're the pros. And it you're the pros. It will be interesting to see what it does to the competitive balance because I think it there are creative avenues that will be opened up to exploit advantages, and it becomes. I mean, California passed this law a year ago. Yeah. It's about to go into effect. California, the NCAA understood that California would recruit athletes and give them money and, and no other state would have right. a chance. Now all states are going to do it. So for the NCAA to say, oh, now, now we recognize it. The NCAA, the NCAA right. was just flattened by a bus. That's what so, happened. So what percentage of college football and basketball fans, if they listed the, the top five things that appeal to them about the game, would list? amateurism is one of them none zero percent right. they don't so, know what amateurism is so i'm not sure that it matters and but, they'll be but, they'll be happy to pay these kids directly just right. hand the money but, but my concern is more one of competitive balance like do schools ultimately lose football programs like they've lost other non-revenue generating programs because they just can't compete that's certainly so, possible but yeah. the but the television not, money yeah the television money for at least the next 10 ships. years will be unbelievably yeah. high until it settles. When it settles, what I think will happen is the top 40 football playing schools in the country will form their own NCAA. Right. And they will have a 40 team playoff and they will sign deals where you go, oh my God, this is John Wall money. You know, for wow. it, it just be amazing. Oh. Higher than anything ever in your life. So what else? Uh, we have one final story, Mr. Tony. I'm going to take you to Pico Rivera, which is uh, just a What's suburb that? just outside of just a suburb just outside of Los Angeles, where 40 okay. cows, four zero cows, were on death row waiting to go into a slaughterhouse. When all of a sudden, they decided <laughs> to make row. a break for it. 
Yeah. 40 cows break loose running through the city. Um, 38 were pretty much immediately caught. Not after when you say the mayhem. city, are you talking about the city, the metropolis that is Pico Rivera? Yes, Pico Rivera. Running through this? Yes, the okay, just I've never, I have to say I've never heard of Pico Rivera, but go ahead. Well, Pico Rivera's city manager, Steve Carmona, told uh, sources that at one point he had to jump onto a car to get out of the way of the herd. He said, we didn't tell quote, sources. He's the mayor. He just said this. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't it leak a, it. Well, okay. uh, you know, the Kornheiser you know, show does have sources out there. So yeah. uh, he said it was a pretty scary ordeal. Now, 38 was safely captured. One cow who goes by the name of Trotsky, uh, was staring at a group of four people, bellowed out, eat more chicken, and then rushed <laughs> at the people, knocking one of them to ground. Uh, they all suffered minor injuries. That cow was shot and killed. That Oof. left one cow remaining who remained elusive on the loose, but was finally apprehended. At large. Yes, two days later, uh, near the border with a fake passport, but he has been apprehended. <laughs> and now they say that cow is being taken to a farm sanctuary. This is a part of the uh, efforts of uh, Grammy Award-winning singer and songwriter Diane Warren, who stepped in to, to help this cow. As she said, uh, uh, who wouldn't escape from a slaughterhouse if given a chance? Seeing the cows escaping their horrible fate broke my heart. They knew what awaited them. These are smart, empathetic, beautiful Did souls. Yeah. I don't yes. know. I mean, I'm not going to go that far about cows. I, I don't have no idea, but maybe that's true. It's a good story. Uh, Pico Rivera, a mere 11 miles southeast of L.A. So How many people live there? 63,000. Okay. So there you go. Yeah, and, and by the way, nice. I point out, so they saved the one cow that was elusive for so long, but I, I believe the 38 really didn't get their fate spared. So, yeah, yeah. so tough for the, the other Stories that one cow has. Yes. Great stories to tell to <laughs> yeah. To the other cows somewhere down the road. <laughs> Thank you. We will take a break. We will have um, email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. That's the Cane Bay High School Choir under the direction of William Bennett, who sent us the songs from Jill Wilson yesterday, and who writes, Thanks for playing Jill. Tell Michael and Tony that I have a loose connection at Yeamans Hall, but I have better connections at the Country Club of Charleston and the Kiowa Island courses. If they want to play when they come down, tell Michael to email me. We'll and I'd like to up. play the new Charleston Muni. So there we go. Tony, can I offer uh, a... I'm sorry. Yes. No, no, no. no. Uh, I just want to... I, the mailbag segment snuck up on us. That show flew by for me. Um... Uh, just as a quick public service announcement, an update on the Summer of Littles for yes, you, which they've asked me to share. The Summer of Littles is taking place August 7th at 5 p.m. local time, wherever, wherever you, are. you are. There are over uh, close to three dozen venues, over 30 venues in four countries currently scheduled, and you can start your own event. This is just an opportunity for fans of the show to get together, hang out, have a beer. We're not... Full disclosure, we aren't affiliated with this thing in any way other than to help help yep. uh, promote it for the folks at Summer of Littles. And um, you can RSVP or find a venue or, or start an event near you at summeroflittles.com. Okay. Where, where will you, you be? Uh, I think I will be at Wardaka up in Laytonsville, Maryland at the Wardaka Brewery for the Summer of Littles 
Maryland chapter, or maybe there's multiples in Maryland. I really don't know. I'm just going, okay. assuming people will buy me beer. Yeah, I'm, and they will. <laughs> yeah. Nigel, uh, the Bethesda Bagel ad, please. Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled. That just about does it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say those drifter days are past me now. I've got so much more to think about. Deadlines and commitments, what to leave in, what to leave out. That's Bob Seeger from Against the Wind, and that is in honor of Tom Boswell retiring from the Washington Post as a sports writer of about 50 years, either today or tomorrow. Thanks to our sponsors, Sunday and Solo Stove. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us, leave us a review. Let me read some of these emails. This is from Kevin Hamilton in Ackworth, New Hampshire. Last week, in a reference to your Monday Night Football days, you mentioned Paul Tagliabue's affection for the city of New Orleans. Well, I happen to know he is also fond of a seacoast town in Maine. A decade ago, the woman to whom I'm related by marriage and I traveled to Booth Bay Harbor for long Independence Day weekend. Moments after we were seated on the deck of a waterfront restaurant, the staff ushered another party to the next table over. The group consisted of a finely dressed couple and an obviously welcome third wheel, the former NFL commissioner. Mr. Tagliabue and I exchanged a quick glance, my eyes apparently signaling, I know who you are, because in response, his said, I know you know who I am, but let's not make a big deal about it. That was never my intention, but I did lean over to my wife to whisper who was sitting directly behind her. She's not a sports fan, her only flaw, and was therefore unimpressed. But she is Canadian, and that day happened to be July 1st, Canada's Independence Day. When our drinks arrived, I raised a glass to celebrate my wife's holiday, and we quietly began to sing O Canada. Not quietly enough, however. In an instant, Mr. Tagliabue turned towards us and opened his mouth. I feared we were about to get flagged for unnecessary vocals. Instead, the commission joined us in mid-verse, as did the couple at his table, and soon all those around us started singing too. As the deck completed the anthem, we all applauded and then continued on with our respective evenings. It was quite lovely, and my wife tells the story whenever we visit our home country, but invariably she omits the Tagliabue part, Sacre Bleu. Please allow me to wish both countries and my wife, who was also born in the month of July, a most happy birthday. And in closing, good night, Canada. That's a lovely, isn't that a lovely yeah. email? It's really nice. From John Rognes in Orinoco, Minnesota, Subaru backwards is, you are a bus. That's interesting. From I'm have to check that. Michael Norwood, professional development career coach at Honors Carolina at Chapel Hill. Third time, lifetime. I was listening to Tori's description of her night out in New Orleans, and I was thinking, hey, I've had that night. I used to go to Jazz Fest every year in the early 90s, and one night we were watching the Neville Brothers at Tipitina's and stumbled out of the bar at about 3 a.m. No taxis to be found. Police car sitting right in front, and we begged them to give us a ride to Fat Harry's, which has the best cheese fries of all. They said, sure, and six of us piled into the car. Of course, we begged them to turn on the lights and siren, and they did. Fast forward 25-plus <laughs> years later, and my son and his fraternity brothers from the University of Alabama all go a year ago. I warned him about going to New Orleans. He's like, I got this, Dad. No worries. These are the actual texts I got from him. Friday, this is the greatest city of all time. Saturday, I don't know if I can do it another night. Sunday, I've got to get out of this town before I die and I'm never coming back. Monday, I just checked into the school infirmary. And Michael Norwood signs it, never change, Nola, never change. From Mark Larson in Salt Lake City, Utah. I love getting things back to I love getting things back to having the regulars back live with you only one request they all read notes handwritten by Nigel and I take my toast medium at the 4.5 setting on my inferior toaster 2 minutes and 30 seconds to toast oh. using Utah's on on 
own Grandma Sycamore's White Bread, a local favorite here, liberally buttered with raspberry jam, not jelly, from Jeff Folks in San Jose, California. Save yourself a lot of money and go to a Waffle House for toast. Best toast ever. Sure, the knife fights and drunken brawls are a hassle, <laughs> but the buttery goodness will make it worth the time it takes to give a police statement. Thanks for the years of entertainment. Keep on potting. Ron in Maryland, in response to the emailer that questioned your math on the economic feasibility of the Revolution Toaster, who eats one piece of toast at a sitting? Come on, man. What are you even doing out there? John Maslow, how's this for a David Aldrich moment? The season of Top Chef was filmed in Portland, Oregon, and in the area. And on Thursday night's episode, they announced that the final challenges will take place at Willamette Valley Vineyards next week. As I keep watching, I said to the woman to whom I'm related by marriage, I know that vineyard. Now, keep in mind, I don't drink much wine, and I've never been to Oregon, but I know Willamette, damn it, the connective tissue of the show, indeed. By the um, way, Bell's Up is a Summer of Littles venue. Oh, that's great. Dave yeah. Spector, that's yep. great. I drink wine out of his glass on a regular basis. Uh, from Ben Franco, I think I may have had my first David Aldridge moment. On Monday's episode, you played music by Claire Mowerman, a high school senior who will be attending the University of Valley Forge this fall. And I thought to myself, well, I know that school. Not only did I graduate from the university, but I taught there for five years. Now, two people going to the same school may not sound like much of a connection, <clears throat> but the University of Valley Forge is a small private school, which usually has a total enrollment of about 700 students. The small size of the school allowed me to build a relationship with my professors, many of whom I consider lifelong friends. So shout out to fellow little Andre Mowerman, uh, your daughter has picked a great, albeit small, school. Also, last Wednesday, you offered to take Chuck Pinter to Rehoboth uh, Country Club, Rehoboth Beach Country Club. Is that a service you're offering to Littles now? I'll be in Ocean <laughs> City June 26th through July 2nd, so right now. I'm not a great golfer, more of a midway par three player myself, so you can find Van Pelt out there. So I'll make you feel a lot better about your golf game. Now that I think about it, maybe I should just offer to Caddy. That's probably correct. So, all right, so that, yeah, that's enough. We're good, right? Should I do yeah. one more? Why not? One, one more. seems to have caught your eye. From Mike Houston. Uh, like the city, not the street on Connecticut Avenue. Dear Professor X Chair, I'd love a stab at one-upping Michael's 24-hour premature golf round with some geographic mismanagement. In the fall of 2011, I was in charge of booking hotel rooms for the 100th anniversary of homecoming at Mizzou, which distinguished alums like Pat Forty will tell you invented the collegiate homecoming concept by inviting former students back to campus for a football game in 1911. My girlfriend at the time, and inexplicably the woman I'm now related to by marriage, plus my sister and fellow Mizzou alumni mother, all flew to Kansas City and hopped in the rental car for the familiar two-hour drive to Columbia. As we got off the highway, my sister plugged in the precise address into her phone. Error not found, the computerized map goddess replied. I pulled over and we collectively determined I had booked two hotel rooms in Columbia, South Carolina, <laughs> not Columbia, Missouri, faceplant. Three hotel clerks laughed in our faces when we asked for vacancies, one even suggesting we drive back to Kansas City. We finally found one hotel with one single room upon which we pounced, and my sister, mother, girlfriend, and I shared two double beds with a level of silent awkwardness oh. science thought previously impossible. <laughs> A decade later, this mistake still comes up with shocking frequency among all affected parties. At least the Tigers won the game. That's spectacular. That's right. Mike Houston, spectacular. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. We're not going to be sunk this year. We're the Stanley Cup champions.